Welcome to the Table of Perspective, where we take a deeper look into how the internal narrative of an individual determines the response to life itself and all it entails. Today I'm your host, Bula, and I'll be talking about a book called Born Free by Joy Adamson. So I'll get straight into it right after the first song. Do enjoy. I know corruption 
today for this book, it's more so going to be about the author itself. Um, Joy Adamson was a very interesting character, and the more I learned about who she was, it sort of, uh, it kind of read true to how she had written this specific book. So, um, also known as Frederica Victoria, quote unquote, Joy Adamson Gessner, was born on 20th of January 1910, and she had passed on on the 3rd of January. Uh, 1980. She was a naturalist, artist, and author. Her book, Born, Through, Born Free, describes her experiences raising a lion cub named Elsa. Born Free was printed in several languages and made into an Academy Award-winning uh, award movie of the same name. In 1977, she was awarded the Austrian Cross of Honor for Science and Art. So, going to a little bit more of her biography, it speaks of Adamson was born to uh, Victor and Traut Gessner in Trapau, Silesia, Austria, Hungary. Um, it's now Opevac in the Czech Republic. The second of three daughters. Her parents died when she was 10 and she went to live with her grandmother. In her autobiography, The Searching Spirit, Adamson wrote about her grandmother, saying that it is to her I owe everything that might be good in me. She grew up on an estate near Vienna, which is actually quite interesting because it does, um, it does add to the, the, the place that she ultimately called home, uh, which was in Kenya. But um, she grew up on the estate and was educated in Vienna, earning a music degree, surprisingly, before studying sculpting and medicine. As a young adult, Adamson considered careers as a concert pianist and in medicine. Joy Adamson married three times in the span of 10 years. Her first marriage in 1935 was to Victor von Clarville, um, and that was, it actually had ended in uh, 1902, uh, sorry, 1985. She went into Kenya in 1937, where she met and married uh, in 1938 the botanist Peter Bally, who gave her the nickname Joy. Peter did botanical paintings, and he, it was he who encouraged her to continue sketching and painting the flora and fauna in her surroundings. She met her third husband, senior wildlife warden George Adamson, while on a safari in the early 1940s, and married him in 1944. They made their home in, together in Kenya. Joy Adamson is best known for her conservation efforts associated with Elsa the Lioness. In 1956, George Adamson, in the course of his job as a game warden of the Northern Frontier District of Kenya, shot and killed a lioness as she charged him and another warden. George later realized that the lioness was just protecting her cubs, which were found nearby a rocky crevice. Taking them home, Joy and George found it difficult to care for all the cubs' needs. The two largest cubs named Big One and Lastica were passed on to be cared for by a zoo in Rotterdam, and the smallest, Elsa, was raised by the couple. After some time living together, the Adamsons decided to set Elsa free rather than send her to a zoo, and spent many months training her to hunt and survive on her own. They were, in the end, successful, and Elsa became the first lioness successfully released back into the wild, the first to have contact after release, and first known released lion to have a litter of cubs. The Adamsons kept their distance from the cubs, getting close only enough to photograph them. In 1961, January, Elsa had, uh, had died from babiosis, a disease resulting from a tick bite. Her three young cubs became a nuisance, killing the livestock of local farmers. The Adamsons, who feared the farmers might kill the cubs, were able to eventually capture them and transport them to neighboring Tangaika territory, where they were promised a home in the Serengeti National Park. In the concluding part of Forever Free, the Adamsons lost track of the cubs in their new home. 
After describing a fruitless search, Joy Adamson contemplated a pair of lions. My heart was then with them wherever they were, but it was also with these two lions here in front of us. And as I watched this beautiful pair, I realized how all the characteristics of our, of our cubs were inherent in them. Indeed, in every line I saw during our searches, I recognized the intrinsic nature of Alsa, Jesper, Gopa, and little Alsa, the spirit of all the magnificent lions in Africa. During Alsa's lifetime, Joy and George Adamson needed each other to educate her. But after she died and her cubs were taken in by the park, their interests went into separate directions, as did their lives. While neither wanted a divorce nor legal separation, their conflicting interests, George wanted to continue work with lions and she with cheetahs, made it necessary for them to live apart. Though they sometimes discussed living together again, they never did. They spent Christmas together and remained on good terms. So that's kind of a little bit of a breakdown of the, the person itself, the author. Um, but I wanted to go into the book. So the, the period of time that I had actually read this book for the first time was in uh, lockdown 2020. That was during um, the initial COVID situation. And um, it was actually a book that I had bought at a secondhand store. And I wasn't really interested in the book itself. I actually had bought a, a selection of books to cut out the pages and use the cover of. And I ended up taking a look through the, the, the book itself. And I know many people hearing that would absolutely pull their hair out over that. But um, there was a, a project that I was working on that I needed the books for. But I had to uh, read through a couple of the pages and ended up deciding to, to read it. And it was quite an enjoyable book, I must say. Usually I get quite bored when I'm reading and it's a challenging thing when you want to read and you also don't want to finish the book you're reading. It really um, was a book that you couldn't put down, if I could say it um, in, in that way. The way that it was written, the narrative, the, the stories were really encapsulating. You felt like you were there in um, Kenya, part of the whole troop, as they searched for the cub. And, and when Elsa had run away many times, what had happened was um, you'd be left in tears wondering what would happen to them. And as they had discussed, you know, the outcome of what would happen with the, the new cubs and, and having to see them now fend for themselves, it was quite a, um, a heart jerker, if you could put it one way. Um, but just from one of the pages from chapter three, it speaks of Elsa goes to the Indian Ocean. And so Elsa was now a year old. She had changed her teeth and I had been allowed to wiggle out one milk canine while she helpfully held her head quite still. To gnaw off her meat, she usually used her molars, not her incisors, but her very rough tongue covered with minute quills she employed for rasping it from the bone. Her saliva was rich and very salty. Patty was now getting old and I kept her quiet as I could. Our local leave was due and we planned to spend it by the sea, on a remote part of the coast close to a small Bajoran fishing village not far from the Somali border. The nearest white population was 90 miles in Lamu. It would have been perfect place for Elsa, for we could camp on the beach away from people with miles of clean sand around us. And a bushy hinterland right behind us would provide shade. We took two friends with us, one a young district officer, Don, and the other Hobart, a Austrian writer who was our guest. It was a long journey over bad tracks and it took us three days. I usually went ahead with Elsa in my truck, George and the others following in two Land Rovers with Patty. The country through which we had passed was dry, sandy and hot. 
And in and throughout this book, there are actually images, photographs of the lion and the lioness, and um, some of their findings as they basically lived their life surrounded by ha helping Elsa and making sure that she was kept well and she was fed and that she wasn't actually killed um, from other predators around her. So um, going on, it says, they went to the coast for coral fish. Armed with harpoons and goggles, we dived in a fascinating world. Some of the corals were pagoda-shaped, others looked like the brains of giants, while some fanned out like mushrooms patterned with purple rosettes or furred by emerald, emerald creases. Curtains of brilliant colored seaweed and in the folds which schools of minute fish were hiding fingered the current. We swam through deep valleys and had often led into caverns. We peeped into dimly lit tunnels out of whose depths coral fish emerged. Inquisitive and puzzled by a monstrous bulk, they had good reason for their surprise, since underwater everything looks twice its natural size. Um, and this is just a, a little bit of a paragraph that I wanted to read from because throughout the book, and it might even just be the nature of the book, having been able to write about the environment and nature and the place that um, the author had been, but it's very rich with definition and with um, adjectives and her surroundings were very clearly described, which is another reason why you really felt like you were engulfed in the story. Um, it paints such a stunning picture as you're reading it that you can almost feel the environment. Some might say it was quite an escape, uh, if anything. So we're going to go straight into the second song and then I'm just going to um, have some closing words on the author and the book, but do enjoy.
to close off, there is a page right at the back of, uh, of the book, and it's called The Final Test. And um, this was at the point where basically their lifetime with uh, Elsa had come to an end, and um, they were going their separate ways. So it says that we had to drag it through the rapids between the slippery rocks to achieve moving 1,200 pounds in such circumstances with an excited lioness guarding it. Now, this was a carcass of an animal, and she says that it was no easy task. But Elsa, intelligent as she is, soon realized what was required. And by seizing him by the root of the tail, while the three men pulled at the head and the legs, literally helped to get the buffalo out. Combined with much laughter at Elsa's efforts, their joint strength succeeded in hauling out the carcass, which was then cut up. Here again, Elsa was most helpful. Each time one of the big, heavy legs was severed from the body, she had once dragged it into the shade of a bush, thus saving the boys the task of doing so later on. Luckily, we were able to bring the Land Rover to within a mile of the scene and managed to get most of the meat to camp. Elsa was exhausted. She must have swallowed quantities of water during her battle with the great beast, and she had spent at least two hours up, neck, up to her neck in the fast current of the river. But, tired as she was, she would not leave her kill until she knew that it was safe and that had all had been cu cut up. Only when all was finished did she retire to the shade of a bush. When I joined her a few moments later, she licked my arm, embraced me with her paw, and hugged me to her wet body. We relaxed after the morning's excitement. I felt very touched by her gentleness and the care with which she treated my skin and avoided scratching me with her, her claws that only a few minutes ago had been so deadly to the thick skin of a powerful buffalo. Even for a wild lion, it would have been so remarkable uh, an achievement to kill a buffalo um, single-handed, let alone for Elsa, who had only recently learned the art of hunting from her very inferior foster parents. Although the river had been a good ally to her, it needed considerable intelligence on her part to take advantage of it, and I felt very proud of her. And um, I just wanted to read through this page because as a lioness, I mean, the image and the, the stature and the valor of a, a wild animal uh, being able to care almost for a human being to kindly recognize them as being a sensitive, very easily damaged object was quite boggling to my mind, I must be honest. Um, and it was so, it was very enjoyable to read, but I guess you fantasize too much about having to befriend a large beast. Um, and I don't think that that's often the case, as, as you'll see straight in the book. Um, it's not always the, the case to be able to tame a, a wild beast and you need to remember that yes they are beasts at the end of the day um, but as as someone who has read through this book I thoroughly enjoyed it and I do advise that you do give it a read it's very informative in terms of the outdoors and nature the way that things work and also you have a little peek into how you can actually um recognize that yes animals are beasts but they can also be tender and if you have a fear of cats i think that this would really help you to soften up um so that's all from me i do hope that you enjoy it and you maybe pick this book up for a good afternoon read and um have a great day further cheers Time and time, and time again I know that I saw my sins You don't see my sin, no more Haven't you heard? It's the Netflix of radio
Radio has never been better. It's a humbling lesson, a truly beautiful view, like when the sun is setting. And if it zooms in on you, then tell me what's depressing. I guess I ain't got a clue on what these students question. Feeling like each day's one more than I deserve, but these youth seem to take it like some kind of curse. Can't even find the words to hide inside a verse. Heart swelling in my chest like it's trying to burst. Don't let the darkness tell you what your life is worth. Let the light in first because your cries are heard. I know it rides your nerves and it's a big effort. Plus it might get worse before it gets better. See, I was never a fan of the sugar coat, but I'll do whatever I can to help you look for hope. Keep your ship afloat if you're pinned against the ropes, or simply missing folks on that sentimental note. I don't pretend to know if in the end some sense is shown, but convinced the most uplifting sure is it the cynics wrote. A beacon through the seasons, keep it in your scopes. A decent reason for believing when the wind is cold. This that lighthouse shining out across the troubled seas. Some of them come to me, discover love and peace. A safe place of refuge amidst the rising waves. That harbor in the storm won't to keep the night at bay. So if the clouds gather and the lightning crashes, know you're not alone. We can fight the sadness. Please believe me, despite the signs of distress, no one's life has to wind up shipwrecked. Yes, now take a deep breath. We all just need the grace enough to make it each step. It helps us keep check when beset by regrets. And seeking wellness could never be a weakness. So if the daily crazy leaves your evening sleepless, embrace some basic ways to de-stress and refresh. A bit of fresh air may be the best care for a better headspace. Meditate to get there. Let connections, don't let wounds fester, but don't agonize on bad ties that you've severed. Don't forget to listen, don't burn bridges, mend fences in your friendships when they turn distant. Lean into the tension, don't fear the silence. It's not about the quiet, but what you might hear behind it. Don't mind the climate or what the waves destroyed. Sometimes the breaking points are where we find the greatest joy. This that lighthouse shining out across the troubled seas. Some of them come to me, discover love and peace. A safe place of refuge amidst the rising waves. That harbor in the storm. Walk to keep the night at bay. So if the clouds gather and the lightning crashes, no, you're not alone. We can fight the sadness. Please believe me, despite the signs of distress, no one's life has to wind up shipwrecked.